Hello and welcome to the Diabetic Podcast. I'm Justin, I have type 1 diabetes, and on here I talk all things diabetes tech, news, and management with industry leaders, educators, and those living with diabetes. Today is the first of two episodes on sugar level displays, or screens, that I use around my house to view my CGM readings. If you're watching via YouTube, those are them behind me. Some of you may know the one I'm talking about today. I've made various videos on social media, some of them have blown up, and it is called SugarPixel. SugarPixel has a screen that is about three by seven inches that displays CGM levels in some cool ways. I've got one on my desk that I glance out when I'm in like Zoom meetings. And the cool thing about it is that you can even display two people's sugar levels at one time. It has optional audio alerts with a snooze button, and it even has an app where you can customize its screens and settings. We'll get into all that today. I'm talking to the creator of SugarPixel, John Fawcett, about how it works, new features coming to the device, and the CGMs it supports, which, by the way, it's all of them. And he's even told me that he's getting close to making it easier to connect freestyle Libre CGMs and to look forward to that. Next week, I'll be back to talk about my other display, the Tidbit, which is a bit bigger and it's running a user-made app that displays CGM readings along with a graph and it's using Night Scout. If you want to check out either of these displays, I've got links to them in today's show notes. I do get a small commission from these, so it's a great way to support the show. Keep in mind that anything you hear on today's podcast or content on my social media and YouTube channel is not medical advice. Always consult your physician before making changes to your healthcare. All right, let's get into the conversation. John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, I've had SugarPixel for about a year now. It's one of my favorite devices, and I've shared it all over social media. People love it. Those videos have blown up uh, and I'm, I'm excited for more people who listen to my show to learn all about it. So before we get into the nitty gritty, for those who don't already know, can you explain what SugarPixel is? Yeah, SugarPixel primarily is a CGM alert system. Uh, so it's also, it can just be displays, but so many people sleep through their Dexcom alerts um, or their Libre alerts, Nice Scout, whatever. And you sleep through it because your brain gets used to hearing that same sound over and over, or you left your vibrate switch on your phone on, or do not disturb, whatever reason. So it's primarily made to have extra loud alerts. They're randomly generated so that your brain doesn't start to get used to them. But then also like in, in the background behind you, a lot of people just use it for a display to quickly glance and not have to constantly be unlocking your phone to look at your phone for what your reading is. Yeah, I use it, like you just said, I use it in my background of my videos. And then I also have one on my desk. That way, like if I'm doing this podcast, I could just like glance over. I'm like, okay, I'm 175 and steady. And it even shows the, the, the information I have on my desk is it shows me that I went up six points. Um, and it even shows me that it, I'm about to get a new reading. It shows me the minutes. So I love that. Now, what sparked the idea to make this device? And, and also kind of like, what is your background that kind of led to that? So for starters, uh, what sparked the idea was my 17-year-old daughter, Lily. <laughs> she is less than a year from going off to college and was sleeping through all of her alerts at night. So mom and I got sick of waking up uh, to, her, to help her 
uh, deal with her low or her, her high alerts. And also, you know, she's about to become an independent adult. And so we needed something to help her wake up. So that's what sparked the idea was just something that's better than your phone for waking up to your low and your high alerts. Now, my background that led me here is I own an iPhone accessories company that makes charge cables, power banks, all kinds of iPhone and Android accessories. So I had the technical background of electronics and I had factories and all the logistical resources to create a new product. So I sort of stole the resources of my other company to create SugarPixel. Now, you kind of told me this, we were just chatting before this, about why this device specifically is could be more useful to people, like the ease of use. Can you kind of tell me more about that? Yeah, I, I came from, in the type one community, I came out of the DIY space. My daughter looped for three and a half years, DIY loop, uh, and I wrote a loop follow app for parents and caregivers. And I wrote a bunch of the loops patches that people now apply. And even the build script that it made, made building loops simpler. So I came from this DIY space and my, you know, my mentality with SugarPixel was there's so many DIY tools that are out there to help with management and even day-to-day making diabetes easier. But a lot of people either don't have the time, the resources, or the energy to figure out the DIY tools. So I wanted to bring those benefits to the average person where you can just plug it into the wall, open an iPhone app, and start configuring it to have you know these tools that the DIY space has had available for years now. Now, Let's get into before we get into like how all the, like the awesome features. Let's talk CGMs and, and compatibility. Let's start with Dexcom. How easy is it to set up your Dexcom to SugarPixel? Your Dexcom levels. It's super easy. In the app, you just select that you want to connect to Dexcom, and then you enter your username and password, the same one you'd use for Clarity, um, and then it connects. Uh, for, and I'm going to jump in here now because I have yep, news that you may or may not know. But um, so we are in live beta testing with my blood sugar for Libre Direct Connection. So I'm expecting a public beta within the next month. Um, you can currently connect to Libre by using the free Gluru app as sort of a middleman. Gluru connects to your Libre LinkUp account, and then it essentially provides a free Night Scout um, URL for you to use. So you can do it today, but we're testing, just type your Libre LinkUp login into the SugarPixel configuration, just like you would with Dexcom, and then it will pull directly. Okay, lots of questions are popping up now. Libre 2 and 3, both Libre 2 and 3? So I like to say it as... If your Libre provides updated readings in the LinkUp app without having to, um, you know, scan, then it'll work with SugarPixel. If you have to scan, or if the LinkUp app does not show the readings and only gives you alerts, then that Libre version won't 
sync with SugarPixel. And the reason I explain it like that is because I've started to see there's some differences with different countries uh, in how the system works in each country. And then I've also heard some rumors that um, some versions that may not have been sending readings uh, more like a, a continuous glucose monitor and we're requiring scans when they're connected to pumps that they may actually start triggering the readings to be sent. So I, that's still early and that's only a rumor I heard, but the, you know, sort of the clinical trials that they're starting in Europe are for Libre 2 connecting to the pumps. And so that sort of sounds like it might make it at least somewhat more like the Libre 3. Okay, got it. Yeah, I did hear the new Libre 2 that's coming out for pumps. That is not something you scan. Mm -hmm. Is the LinkUp app you're talking about, is that the standard app, at least in the United States, where Libre 2 and 3, of course, ones that upload automatically, that's the app that those go to that SugarPixel will be able to pull data from? Yeah, that, the simplest way to explain that for Dexcom people is it's the same as the Dexcom follow app, basically. It's, gotcha. it's Libre's version of the Dexcom follow app. Okay, and then I'm guessing with Libre 3, you're telling me the SugarPixel is going to update every minute, or is it still only going to do five minutes? We are working to get it to be every minute, or because the internet, you know, it has to go from the CGM wearer's phone to the cloud, then down. So, you know, between a minute and a minute 30 is probably about how long you can expect. But yes, we are working on that update faster. Okay. Yeah, Libre. I'll accept a minute 30. That's cool. Now, <laughs> let's 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 real quick cover the Gluru app you mentioned that already exists. So the Night Scout app I'm using for those who are listening, Night Scout's this medium that can be used to transfer glucose data to other applications. At least that's my interpretation of it. I use it currently and I'm using someone who's like keeping my site running for $5 a month. You're telling me Gluru is available for free. They create this night scout app and it's somewhat simple to use. Yeah. So, so Gluru is sort of a kitchen sink, uh, diabetes management app. It has everything from like caregivers texting their children. Hey, take five carbs. Um, and the children texting back. Yeah, I did to, um, pulling in CGM data uh, and giving you all of this sort of in a Night Scout compatible backend. So it's just an app you install on your phone, but then it has basically a Night Scout compatible URL that you can use to um, plug into SugarPixel so that you can integrate Gluru with SugarPixel. Gotcha. How do you spell Gluru? G-L-U-R-O. Oh, oh. Okay, great. And this is something you can download on the App Store for iPhone and Android? Correct. Okay, fantastic. Is it possible to get EverSense readings using Night Scout on SugarPixel? For those who are listening, EverSense is the implantable CGM. I made a video on YouTube about it. You should go check that out. So Eversense and Medtronic, I'll mention together, there are methods to integrate those readings into Night Scout. So if you go, the simplest way is to go to the help page on Custom Type 1 and search for CGM. And we list 
our links and we have some links directly to the night scout page that describes every CGM and how to set it up for night scout. So on that link, you'll find how you can set up Eversense, how you can set up Medtronic. Most of them require uh, like a custom version of Xtrip uh, on Android to be able to, you know, sort of be that uploader into night scout. Yeah, it sounds like we're in need of a how-to video, which I think is something that I can create. So those who are listening a month from now, <laughs> from release, uh, <laughs> hopefully I'll have a video up kind of explaining how to do all of that, because I think that that would be really helpful for both your device and another device, the tidbit, uh, which I'm also going to be, um, I'm going to have a, an episode all about, which is a, also a, a fun display. Now, tell me a little bit about the different types of screens and the info that you can see on the display. Yeah, so we tried to make SugarPixel flexible and it flexible everything from the alarm settings to the display settings. And it is also uh, software updatable right through the app over the air. So when a new, new features come out, you click a button in the app and it installs those new features. So we do have even new displays coming out that I'll mention um, also, so the the primary display is blood glucose, trend arrow, and then your delta. And for people that don't know, aren't used to that, it's a plus or minus uh, number that is how much you change from the last reading to the current reading. So that's useful, especially with um, a lot of the algorithm pumps. If your Dexcom shows double arrows down, but your pump may have cut basal for the last hour. So those double arrow down are a little behind what's actually happening and your delta might only show negative two because it's, you know, it's been crashing, but then it started to level out. So that's why the delta is handy. So we have that for people that may have vision impairments or like I wear contacts, you can set up one that's just called big BG. That's what's on your desk behind you. Um, it's making your BG as large as possible. We have emoji screens. And there's two different sets. One are icons, which you'll have uh, like a poop emoji for an urgent low to a dumpster fire for an urgent high, uh, like a heart for in range and even a unicorn for hitting your perfect unicorn. And the other one are smileys. So instead of the different icons, you have, you know, smiley faces, uh, one that has sh shades on when you're doing good, like a scary monster face for urgent low. And then um, some simpler ones, such as one that's just a color-coded clock, if you just want the time of day with a color code, or even just a full color. You don't even have to you know, advertise your blood glucose, for instance, to a roommate. You can just have it be a color-coded display. And a new one we're excited about is it's called Night Mode. It's not really a display that you would pick to run all the time. But what happens is when your nighttime brightness turns down, so which is a setting, you could say at 10 p.m., turn my brightness down to the minimum. If you have night mode enabled, it will change your display to just five pixels across the middle. And those five pixels represent your five-minute uh, CGM increments, so until the next reading. So you may only have one pixel, then two, then three, then four, then five, and those are color-coded. So it'll be green for good, you know, red for urgent low. So it's going to reduce the brightness in your bedroom overnight by something like 80% uh, 
because we're just turning off all the other pixels. But having those pixels does a few things. One, it lets you do a quick glance to see if you're in range or not. Two is because it changes with the minutes, it shows you that it's still running properly. So we can't just turn the display off, for instance, because you may have forgotten to plug it in and you wouldn't even know that it's running. So this shows you that it's still running correctly. And then when an alarm goes off, it will change over to whatever display setting you're using. Or if you want to check, you can hold the button down and toggle to the display. And then when you release the button, it'll toggle back to that minimum display. So that's coming in the next software update, which also should be in that same um, time period as the Libra update that I mentioned. That's fantastic. I was sitting here struggling to change my display the whole time. I was controlling the one on my desk because I wanted to show people who are watching all the all the screens, uh, and I failed. <laughs> uh, uh, that's for those, okay. uh, yeah, the app is so intuitive. I I love using it. It's so easy to switch screens to adjust what levels are in what ranges. I like that you can use the slider to adjust like what your low is, what your range is, what your high is, what your very high is. And those are all color coded uh, through, you know, green, yellow, red, or pink or purple, depending on how high you are. So I really love that. Um, Now, when it comes to the alerts, tell me about how, there's a button on top of the sugar pixel. Tell me about how that button works and the customization that, is available for alerts. Like, can, can you lower the, the sound? Yeah. So first, the button primarily is your snooze button, just like an alarm clock. If an alert's going off, you press the button and it snoozes the alert. But secondary is when an alarm's not going off, if you long press and hold the button, it will toggle the display. So no matter what display you're using, you can long press the button and it'll toggle the display to show additional information. So for instance, if you're on um, an emoji screen that has the emoji and the blood glucose, when you press it, it'll toggle and show, it'll remove the emoji and show you more actual data behind it. You're doing it right now. A lot of the screens, if you press (laughs) it, it'll toggle to show you the current time next to the BG. Uh, So on any screen you have, there we go. So that toggles to show your BG, your arrow, and then the current time. Very cool. I didn't know that feature existed. (laughs) Yeah, a little handy feature. And we added that when we added the emoji slang screens. So I don't know if you've tried those, but um, at Urge High, we'll have a dumpster fire and just say the word bruh. Um, So all we have a bunch of different slang that goes along with it the slang is color-coded diabetes doesn't always have to be mundane and data-driven there's times when you just you know you just need something simple so on those because it doesn't display the bg you long press it and it'll show the actual bg so that you can still access it easily now with the button and with alerts how those interact um because we're considered a secondary system by the FDA, we don't have the same restrictions as like, the primary Dexcom app where you can't, like, you can't disable an urgent low, for instance, and you have to have things within certain settings. So 
the low and the high and no data alerts can all be enabled or entirely disabled. A lot of people just have it on their desk at, in the office and don't want any alerts. They just want it for the quick glance. Then, so for those alerts, when you enable them, low and high can be set to any value you want between 40 and 400, the whole range of basically what your Dexcom is giving you. Because some people have time periods where they, you know, they want to change it and, you know, they're running extra low, basil's too heavy, whatever, and they want their low to be, they want to be notified at like 120 instead of 70 just because of other things that are going on. So those are all easily changeable. And then um, each has a snooze option along with it that is minutes. So for instance, if you have your low set to 70 with 15 minutes for the snooze, if the alert goes off under 70 and you press the snooze button, it's not going to alert for the next 15 minutes. And then after 15 minutes passes, if the blood sugar is still under 70, it'll alert again. So if it's now over 70, you won't get that second alert. Now, each sugar pixel comes with a vibrating puck that plugs into the back, very long cord. Tell me about that. What is that puck used for? So that puck goes under your pillow. So I actually put it under the fitted sheet on the bed so that it's not moving around with the pillow. And it basically, as your head compresses on the pillow, those vibration patterns go, you know, you're just feeling right up into your head. And it's, it's for the alerts. So in the alert settings, you can choose if you want audio alerts, vibration alerts, or both. So for instance, for my alerts, I just use the vibrating puck. That's plenty to wake me up. For my daughter, she sleeps like the dead. So she uses audio on high and vibration to wake her up. And I mentioned audio on high. The audio has a low, medium, or high volume setting that you can use to uh, decide, you know, how loud you want the alerts. Okay, gotcha. Is there any other customization on SugarPixel through the app that we haven't really covered yet? Uh, there is, and I'm just thinking through it, um, day and night brightness modes. I briefly touched on that. So you can have the brightness automatically increase during the day and decrease at night. There's also what we call quiet hours. So for instance, if this is in your bedroom on your nightstand, you don't want those alerts going off in the day when nobody's home. So you could set your quiet hours from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed and SugarPixel won't ever alert during that time of day. Also in the app is a feature called remote snooze. So this is if, if you are in another room of the house and the alert goes off, you can log into the app and remote snooze and alert uh, from a distance just over Bluetooth. The other benefit to that feature is you can use it as a pre-snooze. So for instance, if, if uh, the alert goes off and you, in the middle of the night and you get up and you treat, but you don't want to wake up your spouse in 15 minutes if it still goes off, you can go in and change that snooze to pre-snooze it for an extra amount of time rather than what you know, the snooze button would do. Like if the snooze button is 15 minutes, I could go in and pre-snooze it for 30 minutes or 60 minutes while I'm up and actively treating the low. People also use that for vacations. You can pre-snooze it up to 30 days. So if you're going on vacation for 10 days, 
pre-snooze it when you leave. And that way, when you return, you don't have to remember to plug it back in or do anything. It just automatically will unsnooze at that designated time period. Okay, got it. Um, quick question. I got so you just updated the sugar pixel from the like matte screen to a more glossy screen. Am mm -hmm. I crazy? But like, does this display get more dim if you want it to than the old display? To me, it seemed like it did, which I which I really like. It's we the reason we updated it is we worked on both the LED panel itself as well as the front acrylic lens piece and there's uh, a diffuser uh, piece between the sandwich between those that diffuses the light um, and so we worked on all three of those to try and achieve a lower brightness level that was one of the main goals we had some other benefits it improved the color neutrality of it so the whites are are more white not you know a slight red shift and the um, edges of each individual square is a little crisper, you've probably noticed. But mm -hmm. one of the prime benefits is we measured it with some light meters. We were able to get it down by probably about 10% when you're using the minimum brightness level. Okay. And yeah, the, next, the next software actually will have, we're reworking the minimum brightness to be able to achieve an even lower level, which should be about a 30% additional decrease in overnight brightness. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm very excited for that because I, I do like <laughs> a dark room with the older model. It was just a little too bright for my room, but I, I left it up because it was really nice to have. But the uh, the new one I've really enjoyed for how dim it gets and just, I mean, that sounds great, even 30%. Now, for listeners outside the U.S., I see on your website there's the U.S. version and then there's a DIY hardware kit for people outside the U.S. What is that? What, what makes it different? The only difference is that the software is not pre-installed on the Sugar Pixel. And it's really, you know, we're a startup, we're a small company. Uh, so having to work through the FDA's requirements was daunting enough. But then you start looking at medical requirements for all kinds of different countries. And all of a sudden, you that just goes through the roof with the resources required. So we took sort of this hybrid DIY approach of the hardware is fully assembled. The hardware is identical, fully assembled, pull it out of the box, but the software needs downloaded from our website and installed. But good news with that is we have been working country by country um, over the last few months to see what requirements we need. And even though we still list it on the website with the DIY, for a lot of countries, we're shipping it now just direct plug-in out of the box. We're not gonna, we're not able to yet formally sort of announce it and change because it it would get more complicated on oh, am I from Canada versus um, Australia versus Switzerland? So we're still listing it as that, but many people now outside the U.S. are just getting it ready to go right out of the box. Cool. So you mentioned FDA a couple times. Did you work with the FDA to get this cleared in some way? Like how much involvement did the FDA have in this device? Uh, 
on a direct communication level, zero. Um, but on FDA regulations, there was a lot that we had to learn. It is considered a class two medical device. So uh, it's the same as devices that would have to you know, spend millions with clinical trials and stuff like that to get approved. But because it's not the primary CGM device, so it's not the Dexcom app connecting directly to the transmitter, secondary devices are considered exempt from having to do those clinical trials and get actual approval for them based on that evidence. So we're basically, it comes down to more or less labeling requirements on the product, such as I'm sure you've seen in apps and it's printed on our website and on the instruction card that's inside. Don't use this for dosing, rely on the primary device. It's the same thing that the follow app, I think even says, um, you have to look at the primary device for dosing because things like the internet going down or the CGMware's phone not having an internet connection, it could mean you're looking at old readings or things like that. So it was, it was actually pretty straightforward in the end, but it just took a lot of research to get there. Okay, and how did you achieve connecting to a Dexcom account, now Libre accounts, without, I assume, without working with those companies? Because there the are firewalls up or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, in the same way the DIY community does it with Night Scout. So Night Scout already connects to everything. That, or even if it's not out of the box, there people have written add-ons for Night Scout that can access everything that's out there. So we're doing it basically the same methods, similar methods to how the DIY community does it. Okay, gotcha. Now, Sugar Pixels app how difficult was that to build it, it's so easy to use i was i didn't know there was an app when i bought this device <laughs> and i was just so surprised by it i was like this is so cool and there's so many options like how much work did that take well it, it takes a lot of work but um I'll let you in on a little secret. I, I sort of feel like I cheated <laughs> with the app. Ha, um, we're using a platform that is called No Code uh, Software Development. And if you've ever used Scratch or even Lego Mindstorms, where you have these color coded logic blocks, it's all just you know drag and drop like when I click this, do this, and you drag this other block, it's all visual based without having to hand code what you typically would ex expect if you're looking at computer code. So from that perspective, it, it cut our app development time probably down by 90%. It has allowed us to make it both very easily cross-platform for Android and iOS, but also very quickly able to add new features and updates and things like that because it it takes out that ultra techy side of coding and debugging and things like that the sugar pixel costs a hundred dollars and i understand that devices like this aren't cheap to make specifically because of like the technology of these screens can you kind of tell me about because pe that's going to be expensive for a lot of people, or they're going to be like, well, that's just some lights. Why is it $100? Can you kind of explain to people why a device like this would cost this much? And I know you've talked about how you've 
really worked hard to get that price as low as possible. Yeah, it, it, there's just so much that goes into it. Uh, we have a custom circuit board inside, even though it's using uh, like a lot of off the shelf components, the board itself is uh, completely custom designed from scratch and built in a custom factory. Uh, so it's, it, it starts with that. And then you have what looks like a pretty simple display. It's an eight by 32 grid of LEDs. So there are 256 individual LEDs on that panel, but each of those LEDs is red, green, and blue. So essentially 256 now times three, uh, you're over 700 individual LED. I mean, there's pushing a thousand individual components inside of SugarPixel just to get it made. And what I would tell people is get online, take a look at the Lemetric clock price or the, what was the other one you mentioned that you're talking tidbit. to? The tidbit. Look at their, look at the price of what they're selling for. Um, our hardware standpoint our hardware is fairly similar to both of those products as far as it's, you know, an LED grid in, in housing with various other features. But then we also have the vibration puck added on, the snooze button, which they may or may not have. So when you compare SugarPixel's price at $99 to those, which I know Metric's been at like $180, $190, um, that should start to show how much we've done to try and get the price down uh, compared to what's similar hardware. We kind of talked about this earlier with like how you haven't necessarily needed to work with companies to get this to work. But what would you like to see in this industry from these companies in the future with like interoperability and working with people like you? What I really think needs to happen is for CGM devices and even, even pumps to all get together and come up with a standards for data interoperability. Um, you know, it's, we can do it with everything else in this world where um, here's the format for the data is, you know, the first field tells it what it is. Is it an insulin dose or a CGM reading or a blood pressure reading or number of steps from your smartwatch. The second field tells it what the value of that data is. It's basically, you know, it's sort of like saying Apple Health or Google Fit that can pull all of this data in and put it in one format that then other apps can read. So I really think all of the device manufacturers need to get to this standardized spot where the data can be written and read in standard formats, but then also I, I, I'm really set right now in recent times on what I'll call uh, personal data access. Uh, give me my data. And if you read some of, the, some of the laws, like from the Cures Act, it seems like they have to do that. You know, your medical data is yours and they have to provide it to you. The question is whether they have to provide it to you in real time, in a format that you want, you know, you're choosing things like that. But what I would absolutely love to see would be in the Dexcom app, in the Libre app, in the Omnipod 5 app, a button that says, what's my personal access token? Enable it. I consent to getting my data how I want, and then I can use that 
for anything I want. I can use that to plug into a device like SugarPixel or an app on a smartwatch or DIY loop or whatever system you choose, it's your data. So that's really what I'd love to see. I don't know how many years it will take to get there though. <laughs> now on the flip side, what do you want to see from the DIY community? We've seen so much as possible. They've led the way. Um, I use DIY loop. It's got so many features that don't exist on FDA cleared systems. What do you think is possible from that community that you want to see? That's a tough one because there's, you know, it could go any way imaginable and it could go, you know, there could be stuff that you and I sitting here today couldn't even imagine would be possible, you know, AI based, um, AI based pump systems and algorithms, um, machine learning, neural networks, all of that type of stuff. But I, I really think at least from the pump community, uh, I think the commercial systems have caught up to at least iOS loop, not necessarily Android APS and not necessarily IAPS, which is sort of the iOS variant of Android APS. Um, you know, but I think like iOS loop is really needs to start adding some of those features to stay sort of the we are not waiting and, and be at the front end of things such as, you know, the unannounced meals and things like that, that Android users have. So I'd love to see those types of features start to be prevalent in all of the DIY systems. And then I think the next step is, I mean, it's early on to know how well it works, but beta bionics is super exciting is I enter my weight and I say, is this meal usual less than, you know, smaller or larger? And it just works and learns. So I think the simplification, you mentioned there's all kinds of settings and features and functions. I think we're getting to a flipping point where we're going to hit the less is more and the DIY community needs to get ahead on that of the install the app, enter my weight and just tell it, is this my normal meal or a larger meal or a smaller meal? And eventually not even that, just put in my weight and it just works and detects when you're eating. But in many ways, we need faster insulins to get fully to that. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, with where insulin's at, we're never going to be able to catch up with food because it can be much faster. I loved your response about loop DIY loop getting some of the AAPS, which is Android APS and IAPS features, which personally, I don't even know much about those features that exist. So I'll have to have an episode on this channel for each of those apps to kind of understand and learn myself about what they can do and uh, where users can learn more about them. Uh, John, this was such a fantastic conversation. I am a huge lover of your device, and I hope that people listen to this podcast and also see the value in your product and get one for themselves because it's it's great to have around the house. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Justin.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. Definitely go and check out Sugar Pixel with that link in today's show notes. I will be back next week interviewing the creator of an app that lives on another LED screen. That is Tidbit. It is a completely different device that offers a whole slew of other features like displaying the weather, sports scores, train times, and a lot more. New episodes of this podcast release every Monday on YouTube and wherever you listen, and I've got new videos dropping on YouTube every Friday. If you'd like to follow me on YouTube or social media, there are links in today's show notes. Until next week, I'm Justin, and I'll take you later.